All right, we are in Romans. We have been in Romans. This is now week 22. Um, and so we, we took a break for the summer. And so now we're, we're kind of kicking it back off. And so if you're, again, checking out Hope, checking out uh, um, Christianity, we're, we're starting off in chapter four. Um, and so we've been slowly working our way through uh, the book of Romans. And so you, you, you obviously missed a lot, and that's okay, uh, because we're going to hopefully just try to get you re-caught re up here. So before I do that, though, I mentioned that uh, we're going to be doing baptisms and and what, and what is baptism? All right, the way that we talk about baptism is that is, it is an outward expression of an inward reality, uh, that we are Baptists in that sense, that we believe in, in believer's baptism, that someone needs to come to faith in Christ uh, on their own, not by us telling someone or convincing someone that, that is, it is them uh, and their belief and their faith in Christ that saves them. Uh, and so then we do and we follow the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he goes down into the water by, like, just by John the Baptist, and is and is dunked under the water, and, and so um, it's a it's a passage and that I quote every time I baptize someone is that you are buried with him in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. That the waters don't uh, do anything. There's nothing uh, uh, magical about Lake Owasso. Uh, maybe some chemicals in there that might help clean them a little bit. I don't know, but right, there's nothing special about the water, right? It's not washing away anyone's sin. It's not doing any of that. Um, it's their faith. It's Jesus Christ who has done that. So we asked these two questions, um, and we'll do that with Catherine and John this afternoon. But are you now trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of all his promises to you, even eternal life? Um, and if the answer is yes, then we ask the second question, and is it now your intention with God's help to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and obey his teachings? And if that answer is yes, then we go ahead and we baptize him. Um, and this is a this is a, a one time thing uh, that we don't we don't baptize all the time we want we don't oh I'm feeling like I want to you know re re um, ignite my passion with my walk with Jesus but we don't do that through baptism we do that through communion we do that through the Lord's the Lord's table and that's something that we do every week here at Lower Town and and baptism and the Lord's table um, that is for believers uh, I think it was Saint Augustine who said that's what separates. Uh, a, a, a member, not even a member of the church, but a believer, a follower of Jesus, and somebody who's not a follower of Jesus. Anybody can come in and can listen to the teaching of God's word. Anyone can come in and sing songs uh, and, and praise God. Uh, anyone can come in here and pray. Um, anyone can do that. But you need to be a follower of Jesus and have bent the knee to King Jesus in order to take the elements of communion and be able to uh, take uh, baptism. And so that's why they're called ordinances. They're commands uh, that Christ gave the church. And so that's why, that's why we do them. So if you have questions about that, come talk to me. They both uh, took uh, our baptism class a little while ago. Um, and so if you are interested in that, maybe you want to get baptized today. You're out there you're like, man, no, I, I want that. We can, we can do that. We can talk about it. Okay. So that's uh, that. Okay, we again, Romans, uh, we looked at chapters one through three and looked at the good news. The good news, just the gospel. What is the gospel? And the, and the uh, apostle Paul is gonna say the gospel is grace alone by faith alone. It's not by works. We can't do anything to add to our salvation. And so now this week, and we kind of recapped everything last week, kind of that, that big overarching question the apostle Paul is getting at is, how can a just God allow anyone into heaven? How is it even possible? If we're sinners, if we've fallen short of God's glory, if we've, if we've all committed sin and treason against God, how is it ever possible that he could allow us into his presence? How does he, how does he do this? And in Romans chapter three, we see that it's because he is both just and the justifier, that he, is, he demands justice, but he provides 
uh, justice, by being the justifier for our sin. Um, I am not a, a big novel reader. Uh, I never really, uh, sometimes I, I enjoy reading novels. I just don't get to do it that often. Um, and so there was a, a book, uh, Cormac McCarthy wrote this book called The Road, and they, they turned it into a movie. Um, and like any, usually like any book, the book is obviously a lot better than the, than the movie. Um, but anyways, this, it, I, I remember I read this in college. Uh, I was in the, in a coffee shop and I, I literally read it in one sitting and it wasn't because it was like that great. It was because there's no chapter divisions and I didn't know how to stop. Uh, and so my, my little head was like, I guess I just got to read the whole thing, I guess. And, and I just really enjoyed it. I just, I couldn't find a good place to pause the story. It just was, it was very engaging and I liked it. Well, it was years later that someone had mentioned um, that, I, and, that I, and I guess this is a thing, that Cormac McCarthy doesn't name his characters. And so in the entirety of the book, you follow this father and son, and, and the son always just calls his dad, dad, and the dad always calls his son, son. And I, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, there's no, there's no way that that is what happened. So I went back to the book, and sure enough, there's no names of the main characters in the entire story. It's just dad and son. Right, and I had to go back. I had to check it. And that's exactly what we're going to do a little bit this morning is we're going to look at Paul. Okay, does the math check out? He's going to go and he's going to say, hey, here's what the gospel is. Now let's go to the, the front of the book, right? If you had algebra, you always went to the back of the book, right, to get, check your answers. He's going to do that backwards. He's going to go to the Old Testament. Does this check out? Does the math check out? Was it always by grace alone and uh, faith alone for all people? Or, or wasn't there a little bit of time in there that was for works by becoming an Israelite? What, what's going on? So he's going to check his answers. He's going to check out his math. Does the math check out part one? And then uh, we'll look at part two next week. And so as we start now this next chunk that'll take us through Christmas, um, how do we live then? Chapters four through eight. So again, just a little bit of context. Uh, we spent a little bit of time last week looking at this. Uh, but I want to uh, hit this a little bit again. This is the end of chapter three. It says this, what, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we did hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Right? The, the religious, the irreligious, it's all going to be through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. I've got a little bit of a, of a longer quote here by uh, Douglas Moo uh, from his commentary in Romans, but this is very helpful. And, I, and I, I, didn't even, I didn't find this. I wish I would have read this last week, but it fits. And looking at what do we mean by law? Um, is, is this the, the, like, the, like the law of Moses, the, the Torah? And what do we mean by we uphold the law? What's going on here? And then we'll get into our passage. Douglas Moose says this, Paul is contrasting two different laws. On this view, the word nomos there in the Greek is both its actual occurrence in the verse has a metaphorical sense, principle or rule, or what we at Hope we call the little L law. All right, we have God's law, the big L law, the Mosaic law, and we have these little laws, that our conscience, the things that are written on our hearts that everyone knows murder is bad. That's a little L law. Right, that everyone knows about. 
Um, uh, let's see. Some scholars think then that there is no direct allusion to the law of Moses at all here. Paul simply contrasts the principles of works and faith. But Paul connects the Mosaic law and the works too often in Romans to make it possible to eliminate reference to the Torah. We take it then that nomos in Paul's question, while uh, meant to have a general reference, what rule or system of demands excludes boasting, would naturally bring to mind the law, the Torah. Paul then adds the contrasting modifiers to make, his, uh, his, uh, make clear his point. No, it is not through the Torah, the law, which demands works, through which boasting is excluded. It is through the rule of faith, the ordinance or demand of God for faith as a basis for justification, as a basis for being made right is by faith, not law. And then finally, rather than being entirely metaphorical then, Paul's use of nomos, law, embodies a play on words in which the characteristic demands of the Mosaic covenant works is contrasted with the basic demand of the new covenant and of the Old Testament broadly understood, faith. Right? And that's what we're going to look at. This Old Testament broadly understood, can we go back? Can we check our math? Can we say, okay, was this always understood to be faith and not this idea of law? And then uh, Mu is going to go on here and talk about Luther's famous edition of sola alone to fide, faith alone, in which he was preceded by others, including Thomas Aquinas, brings out the true sense, of intend, uh, true sense intended by Paul. A serious erosion of the full significance of Paul's gospel occurs if we soften this antithesis. No works. Here's the whole point. Like, what in the world did you just say? Who cares? Here's what, here's what matters, okay? No works. Whatever their nature in their motivation can play any part in making a sinner right with God. That's it. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in this letter to the Romans. So let's look at this. And I'm going to start again here. We uphold the law. What do we mean? We, we, we uphold little L law. Do we uphold the law? The law, big L law, the law of Moses. And I'm going to contend that it is going to be the big L law of Moses here. Uh, that we uphold the law, but what the Apostle Paul is going to do is he's going to make uh, clear, especially in chapter 7 and 8, um, that the law that we need to uphold is fulfilled in Christ. And we can't do it. We, we can do all the works we want, but we can't. It's never going to mean anything. It has to be Christ, and he's the one who's going to fulfill all the demands of the law, meaning then, therefore, we can be justified by him and only by him. So let's check the math. Again, gospel grace alone, faith alone in Christ. We believe that. Okay, so now we're going to check the math. Does X, right? Does X equal faith in the Old Testament or faith? Was that always the case for all people, right? So he's going to check his work. Or again, as mentioned in that Moo quote, in this broad sense, can we see this at work? So I've just got four points that we're going to walk through. And number one is the gospel, is gospel faith evidenced and Father Abraham. Uh, remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons? Remember that? Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right arm. And then, yeah, then we did this weird uh, Baptist dance to Father Abraham. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's funny because I sang that song my whole life as a little kid growing up, and I had no idea what in the world it was about. I had no clue, right? I don't know who Father Abraham is. Why am I his son? I'm very confused. Here's where, this is where this comes from, okay? And I don't know why we swing our arms and then just get the wiggles out of the kids, I guess, uh, but that's what it was. So, is the gospel faith evidenced in Abraham? Paul's gonna go on and say, chapter four, this is how it starts, reading from the ESV. 
What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Okay, another way of reading that. According to Abraham's flesh, what was gained? Right, was there anything about who he was or in his flesh that he gained something? Verse two, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Okay, he's gonna say, if he was justified, if he's made right by something he did, he, then he can boast. He can say, look at what I did. I did this, right? I, I, I'm the one who did all these things and I saved myself. I'm justified. I'm good enough to be in God's presence. But he's gonna add this modifier, but not before God. Like you, even if you did that, it still doesn't work. He said, it's not gonna happen. So he says, Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh. So I'm not going to necessarily go all the way back, uh, but we're going to just, just briefly, okay? Some, some uh, scholars think that Abraham would have been present at the Tower of, of Babel. If you look at the timeline, you have just right above when Abraham, Abram at the time is going to be introduced in chapter 12 of Genesis, that it's going to be the Tower of Babel. You have the confusion of the languages. And so you have all these people building this, this huge tower, this giant pyramid type thing that they're going to try to be like God. And they want to be in his presence and build to the heavens. And God says, no, you're, you're disobeying. I told you to, to spread out through all the earth and you're not doing that. So I'm going to make you do that by confusing the languages. And so possibly Abram would have been here. He then leaves and gets with his clan uh, and his tribe. And then in Genesis chapter 12, verses one says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make a, you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, I, well, I thought he was, you know, the, the father of the Israelites. How is it that, right? And this is, where, this is where the apostle Paul's checking his work. He's going back and he's saying, it's always been this case. It's always been about all people. It's always been about all families. And you can see here that Abram does nothing. God simply makes a covenant and says, I'm going to do this. I will make your name great. I will do this. I will bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. All right, and then he says, he says this though in this passage as well, right? He says, uh, if Abraham was justified by works, right? He has something to boast about, right? And what's really important, I, 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 I kind of skipped over this and I wanna make sure this is very evident this morning. Now what Paul is gonna do here with Abraham is say, Abraham isn't even an Israelite. Abraham isn't this super religious person when this happens. He's saying, Abraham is a Gentile. He's, he's, another, he's another nation. He's another person, but he's bad. He's wicked. He doesn't know God. And God shows up and chooses him and says, I'm going to make you. And he says, not by works. Right? He's not a godly person. Right? He only has the little L law of conscience because the law hasn't been written yet. He doesn't say if Abraham was justified by the works of the law, just says works because the law had not yet been written. And then he's going to say this, the Apostle Paul in verse three, he says, for what does the scripture say, right? Why here doesn't he use the word law? It's very interesting because Paul, we haven't picked up on this yet, doesn't use the word law as a positive thing. He uses the word nomos for law as a very negative thing. It's something that binds us and holds us back and restricts us. But he uses scripture and Moses and the prophets in a very positive way. Right? So he's saying, let me, let me, I'll, I'll go to the law, I'll go to Moses, but, but this, we're going to use this in a different word. What does the scripture say? 
It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So skipping forward in the Genesis account of Abraham or Abram, Genesis 15, five through six says, when he brought him outside, God, Yahweh brings Abram outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, right? Yahweh says, God says to Abram, so shall your offspring be. And it says that Abraham believed the Lord and it, counted, it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham believes, like he just goes inside, look at the stars. And he's like, you're going to have, that, your descendants are going to be like the stars. And he believes them. Again, there is no scripture, right? Abraham isn't like, oh, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to go to church on Sunday and really strengthen my faith. There's nothing. There's only stories that have been what am I saying? That have been passed down over and over and over throughout the generations. That's all he has to go on. This is faith, right? But again, it's not the amount of faith. We talk about this a lot here at Lord Time. It's not the amount of his faith. It's the, it's the, the object of his faith. And it says that he believed the Lord and that's why he was made righteous. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. Um, back in the day, I uh, used to work at, at Caribou Coffee. I couldn't find an image of a, of a caribou. Um, but it was always interesting. I, I remember, uh, this is probably just maybe says something about my personality, that when my manager, this is still true in my marriage, my wife will say something. And, and, I, and my response is always like, yeah, it's my job. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Brian, thanks for making all the cold press last night. It's like, that's my job. You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are you thanking me for? That's, my, that's what I'm supposed to do. If I don't do that, I get fired, right? So, so I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. You don't need to thank me for that. It's my job, right? If I go above and beyond my job, okay, sure, then you can thank me, right? That's just how I always, that's how I always felt. We have this uh, phrase around hope, um, the church, at least as, a, as an employee, um, uh, my boss says this uh, quite a bit. He says, you're saved by grace, but your employment is based on works, <laughs> right? And that's very true, right? You gotta, you gotta work to keep it. You gotta do your job, right? Um, and if you don't, but, but, it's, but it, again, it's weird to like, if, if I get whatever on a Sunday, if, I, if my boss emailed me and was like, hey, thanks for preaching this morning. It's like, what? Yeah, that's my job. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, what are we talking about? That's how I've always felt about that. And so Paul here is saying, if Abe, right here, if Abraham would have, would have worked for it, then it can't be a gift, right? God can't give him righteousness and gift him righteousness. He would have said, hey, you, you earned this. Here you go. And then he would have said, well, you can't give it to me. I, I earned it, right? It's my paycheck. That's, I, you, you owe that to me. And that's not what's happening. Instead, it is a complete free gift, which gifts are usually free. It's kind of an oxymoron. Um, it was funny. I was looking up a picture of a grandma giving a gift. And this was the first one that popped up. And the article that this was highlighting was, gee, you really shouldn't have. Uh, Americans say grandma is the worst gift giver during the holidays. So it was a little bit of a... Uh, juxtaposition there of what I was trying to show and what the article was saying. Uh, love grandmas. Grandmas are great. You're, if you're a grandma, you are a good gift giver, I promise. Um, so this is what it is. It's a gift of righteousness. You can't earn it. You can't do anything, right? Just like a small child, when a grandma gives a kid a gift, that kid, that kid didn't do anything. You know what I mean? The kid did nothing. They were born. They had no say in that whatsoever to be born into that family, right? They didn't have a, they didn't, they, they didn't get a vote. They're just in the family and the grandma loves that child because that child 
is in the family. Can't do anything, can't earn it. Just not how it works. And it's the same way when it comes to justification and, and, the, and the righteousness that Abraham here is giving, has been given. Verse five, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. As we, uh, when we, when we pray before a meal, our, our kids often will pray and, and Henry one time, well, he does this quite a bit actually. So and you can keep doing this, buddy. It's okay. Um, he, he will pray and he'll just thank, you know, thank God for my friends, my, you know, Savannah, my neighbor and my cousins and my brother and my sister and grandma and grandpa, I'll kind of name everyone. And he said, thank you for, and he, there he is, and thank you for everyone in the whole world, except all the bad guys, right? That's what he said. And the theologian in me is like, we're all bad guys. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, we're, we're all bad. You know what I mean? Like that's like, I'm, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna, not gonna say that. Uh, that would kind of defeat the purpose here, right? The whole point of what Paul is trying to say here, right? And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. That we're all the bad guys, right? We are all the scum of the earth. And again, in this context, it's not because of something that we did that was bad. It's because of something that we didn't do. And in this context, it's believe. We have to believe. The second point here is he's going to show his work further through King David. Is that the right? I could not figure it out. Is it further or farther? It's further. Did I use that right? 50-50 chance. Nailed it. Uh, showing his work further through King David. So he's going to go now in this passage in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Just as David also speaks the blessing of one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So the Apostle Paul is going to take this this quote here from the psalmist, from King David, and saying, look, everyone in the whole world, even outside of the law, God can remove their sin. There's something else going on here. And he says, blessed are those who, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? Is it only for the Israelites, only for the religious or also for the uncircumcised, the irreligious, for all other people. And the Apostle Paul, through King David, again, checking his answers, going back into the back of the book, at the front of the book, and saying, it's always been all people. That's the point of it. He's going to continue now showing his work through uh, new math, as they call it, the common core. Uh, any teachers, is that still a thing? People still do the common core thing, or was that a fad? That's still a thing, huh? All right. It's great. Good for them. Uh, I saw this, uh, this uh, image here this last week. It says uh, there's a, you know, a guy doing math on a chalkboard, and in the middle it says, then a miracle occurs, uh, and then you have the answer. Uh, and at the bottom there it says, uh, I think you should be more explicit here in step two. Right. All right. This, this, I do this a lot with not so much in math, because that's not my thing, um, but I do it with my thoughts uh, a lot of times. Well, I'll go, I'll just go from, from one spot to the next. We're talking about, oh, yeah, and that's why my first car, I bought a yeah, Chevy Cavalier, uh, 1996. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, mashed potatoes, right? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what just happened there, right? What, how did you get from, from car to mashed? Who, I don't know, but I made the, I saw the work in my head. You got to figure that out, right? You got you to gotta fill in the blank. The Apostle Paul, though, here is going to do this. He's going back and he's saying, I need you to look at this. And I even need you to look at the numbers. And he's saying, this is really important because if Father Abraham is the one who we need to go into to be in Israel, to be an Israelite, 
that the law is written. This is kind of very hard to see. It's a stupid graph. I shouldn't even put it up there because you can't see it. Uh, but this is 430 years. 430 years later from Abraham all the way down to Moses that the, until the law is written. So Paul is making the argument of Abraham's righteousness as a Gentile before the law is written. So he's saying, if you think that you're justified by obeying the law, then what about Father Abraham? Because he was around before the law. This all precedes the law. So then Paul continues, for we say, that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? <laughs> it was not after, but before he was circumcised, before God even gave him a sign of the covenant that he needed to follow. He said, no, 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 I'm gonna save you. It's counted as righteousness before all the other things happen. So he's saying even before the law, before circumcision, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. He had a faith. He was a Gentile. And God changes him. And the whole point of this text and these verses are just saying, right, it doesn't matter if you're religious, irreligious, the religion, the things that we do, whether we go to church, whether we give money to the church, whether we volunteer for the children's program, whatever it may be, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't count anything. God doesn't view you as a better son or daughter if you do those things or don't do those things. That doesn't, that's not what saves us. And it never was what saves us. The Apostle Paul is going to say all the religious things that he did, it counts for nothing. It was, a, it was garbage. It was a loss. And I would say the same thing. I know that, that growing up in the church, there was a lot of it that was really good. I, I learned about Jesus. That's really good. I believed in forgiveness of my sins when I was at, at a young age. Um, I heard this phrase the other day. Uh, Nolan, I was getting lunch with Nolan, and, and he told me that Paul uses this word phonerability, uh, which I think is really good. I don't know if, if Paul made that up or, or it's great. It's a good word. Phonerability, right? And I think that when you, when you grow up in the, in the church and, or there's expectations, people expect you to be a good person. And so when I'm in accountability group with my small group or I'm talking with somebody else, then I'll, I'll share my sin, but only so much. Because if I share my gross sins, at least for me growing up, I would literally get demoted, right? I was the assistant prayer captain. You know what I mean? If, if, I, if I tell you too much sin, uh, now I'm not even going to be a prayer captain. You know what I mean, now I'm just going to be who knows what. Because I got too much sin in my life. And we, and we would hide. And, and the whole point where I bring this and show this image here of Jesus on the cross and the two thieves on either side of it. Both thieves, neither of them were baptized. Neither of them ever took the Lord's Supper. Neither of them ever attended a church. Uh, neither of them did anything. But one of them was in paradise with Jesus that day and one was not. What, what is it? Was it because one was religious and one wasn't? That's why one was saved and one was not? No. It's because one believed and one didn't. One had faith that Jesus was the son of God and one did not. And that's what Paul is telling us. That our religion, our Adherence to the law doesn't count for anything. And he's checking his work saying it's always been that way. It's always been that way. So point four, therefore the gospel is by faith alone and it has always been by faith alone. It's not by works. And it's not by religion. Again, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised, the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, 
but one who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Right, we kind of use this phrase, I know I've mentioned it a few times, right, our walk talks and our talk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks, right? Uh, I kind of said it tongue in cheek, it was a bulletin board in sixth grade, seared in my brain forever. Uh, okay, uh, but what, what do I mean by that? And what, there's, there's something here that's happening that somebody isn't just someone who does the thing. I can look like a Christian, I can act like a Christian, I can talk like a Christian, I can go to church like a Christian, but if something hasn't happened internally in my heart, then, then we're wasting our time, right? Uh, Roger Williams, christening makes not a Christian. I can go to church, I can get baptized, I can get confirmed, I can do all the things. But if I haven't put my faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins, then it's pointless, it's garbage, it's a waste of time. And so just in gospel application, as we look at this passage, and as we're gonna continue to look at the work of um, and, and see, does the work check out? Does Abraham really, does he go back again? Or excuse me, does Paul gonna go back next week and looked at, look at faith? That this is faith alone. I read this earlier, um, but this, again, that's a question for baptism that we're gonna be asking later this afternoon. Are you now? And I wanna ask you that question. Are you now trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the fulfillment of all of his promises, even eternal life? Right? And then even a step further than that, even if you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you now trusting in him and through his help, he's enabling us in this process that we call sanctification of becoming more like Christ. He's the one doing the work in me as well. It's complete and utter dependence on God, not just for salvation, the initial door, but always the gospel, faith alone in Christ, even as we become more like him. And unlike the road, if we can go all the way back to the beginning, unlike the road, the father does know your name, right? The father actually knows your name so well that he writes it down in a book and he will never forget it. And we know his name and we can call him dad. We can call him our father. Our name is written down and the good father knows who you are. He sees you, he hears you, and he knows you. And even after he knows you, I mean, beyond the vulnerability. I mean, like knows you better than you know yourself. He sees everything. Even after all that, he continues to love you as a daughter. He continues to love you as a son. He sets a place at the table for you, not because of anything you've done, not because of any work you've done, but just like a good father giving a child a present, not because they've earned it or deserve it, but because of pure love. That's what the father does, but he has our name written on the card. Again, we're gonna take communion. And we do this every week here at Hope Lower Town. And it's such a great time to be able to take these elements, to take the bread that Jesus hands to his disciples and says, this is my body that was broken for you. You take this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We remember that when Jesus was on the cross, he shouts out, it is finished. It's finished. You can't do anything. You can't add anything. You can't become uh, more religious. You can't, you can't do it. It's done. It'd be like running a race and finishing a, a marathon, crossing the finish line, and then someone just keeps going. What are you doing? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can add another mile. Call it a marathon point one or I, whatever. Sorry, all analogies break down. Going, we're just going to run with this one, right? It's finished. What are you doing? The race is over. 
Jesus finished it for us, and he takes his, his, his little badge that he gets of justification, and he puts it around our neck, and he says, that's yours, son. That's yours, daughter. So uh, all I would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus as we take these elements, as we uh, break that bread that Jesus says, this, this is my body that was broken for you. You take this in remembrance of me. This is my uh, blood that is shed for you, not some goat or some bull. This is my blood, the new covenant in my blood. Take as you uh, remember me in the finished work. Um, again, you just need to be a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, we would love for you to take these elements with us. Um, and if not, it's okay. Just sit there, pray, uh, confess, repent. Um, we talked about this a lot, that our, our faith is a, uh, it's a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not, never meant to be private. Um, our relationship is to be vulnerable with one another, to see uh, and love and worship Jesus and Yahweh together. Um, so let me pray, and the worship team's going to come back up here and, and play two more songs. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need to be a member of this church or any church, but I would love for you to uh, come and partake of these elements uh, with us as a, a family of believers in Jesus Christ. Um, let me pray, and then we will uh, worship through song and communion. Heavenly Father, Thank you again just for our uh, time together this morning to be able to look at your word, to look at just these 12 verses that the Apostle Paul wrote thousands of years ago and how they still apply so directly to us today. Uh, that it was written to a church in Rome, uh, but we can take these truths and apply it to our lives, that we can't work, we can't do it, we can't earn it. And it's always been that case. It's always been that way from the beginning, even through Abraham, a Gentile, a sinner, one of the bad guys, just like everybody else, but simply because he put his faith in you, he believed in you, he was forgiven. And would that be true of us as well as we walk our path and our daily lives to, be able to put our faith and trust in you and as you continue to work in us to make us into the perfect image of your son. God, we love you and it's in Christ's name we pray.